Well, today we are wrapping up our Solomon Says series, which has been based on the book of Proverbs, or as uh, Monique so delicately put it, we're putting a button on this series today. So we are wrapping up this series. It has been uh, just so good over the month of June to go through the book of Proverbs. And can I ask, who made it through the entire book of Proverbs? You read all 31 chapters. All right, we've got several hands. Keep your hands up for a second, because I want everybody who doesn't have their hands up to, to look around, because these are the people that you want to go to if you need some wisdom on anything, right? Because as Solomon says in, in Proverbs 1.5, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. So if you had your hand up, I can assure you, you are a bit more wise than you were a month ago. Amen? All right. Well, I shared a few weeks ago that I know several people in my life who every single month they go through the book of Proverbs. Now, that doesn't mean they neglect other portions of scripture. It just means they do their, their normal devotional time and then they tack on a chapter of Proverbs every day and they do that every single month. And just so happens that those are some of the wisest people that I know. So I don't think that's coincidence. I think there is some truth to the more wisdom that you take in, the wiser you're gonna be in every area of your life. So if you missed out during the month of June and you weren't able to make it through uh, all 31 chapters of Proverbs, I encourage you, why not give it a shot in the month of July? Just add that chapter on every day to whatever it is you're studying and see if you can get through in the month of July. And maybe there's some of you who got through the month of June and you're like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. I'd like to make that a regular habit. Go ahead and you too can just continue to do that month after month and fill yourself with the wisdom from the word of God. Well, when we kicked off the series a month ago, we looked at a verse found in James chapter 1, James 1, 5, which says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And one of the ways that God gives you the wisdom that you're lacking is through studying his word. In Proverbs 2, 6, Solomon says, for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so if you want to be successful in life and live in a way that honors God and live in a way that honors others, spend time studying God's word. And then just like in the game of Simon says, listen closely, follow exactly. Solomon says, listen closely to his word and follow exactly what his word tells you to do. Now, if you were here with us last week, I started out by reading a few of my favorite Proverbs. Actually, they weren't, it's not like they're my favorite Proverbs. They're just interesting Proverbs, a little bit obscure. And so if you continued reading the last several chapters of Proverbs over the last week, you probably noticed a whole bunch of them, especially when you got to Proverbs chapter 26. So I found a few more, and I thought it'd be fun to start out this morning with sharing some of those obscure Proverbs again. But first, I have a gift that I want to give to everyone. So the ushers are going to walk down the aisle, and they're going to hand out a gift. We have a fortune cookie for each and every one of you. And, and, and here's why. Um, because as you read through the book of Pro as you read through the book of Proverbs last month, did anybody ever come across a proverb and they're like, that sounds like I'm reading a fortune cookie? Or like, this would be great if this was inside of a fortune cookie. And, and so we, we got some fortune cookies for you guys. Now, just like fortune cookies contain ancient Chinese sayings that are supposed to give you a glimpse into your future, the book of Proverbs is filled with ancient sayings that give you a glimpse into your future as well. Now, have you ever noticed when you're at a typical uh, Chinese restaurant, you get a fortune cookie, you open it up, you crack it, you pull out the, the little piece of paper and you read it, and you just go, hmm. And sometimes it hits home. But more often than not, you're just kind of stuck with a little, 
yeah, I don't really quite get how that's going to impact me. Well, I believe that the wisdom that you find in Proverbs is going to have much more impact toward your future than a random fortune cookie ever could. So here's what we did. We had these uh, cookies custom made. So inside these cookies, you're going to find a verse from Proverbs. There'll be uh, an ancient saying that actually will help impact your future. So go ahead, enjoy your cookie. And while you do that, I'm going to read a few more of those interesting Proverbs, especially from Proverbs 26. So Proverbs 26, 6 says, trusting a fool to convey a message is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Now, Solomon could have used any analogy he wanted to to convey that point, but he compares it to cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. All I can say is that must have been one interesting time to be alive. Proverbs 26, 7 says, a proverb in the mouth of a fool is as useless as a paralyzed leg. I mean, you just can't help but laugh at some of these. Uh, The next verse, verse 8, honoring a fool is as foolish as tying a stone to a slingshot. Just put a visual to that one there. Uh, Proverbs 26.10, an employer who hires a fool or a bystander is like an archer who shoots at random. You know, if you're, if you're a business owner, I'm sure you can agree with that verse. Uh, who just goes and hires some random person and expects that to, for them to like, just jump into the culture of their company? No, you go through an in-depth search process to make sure you get the right employer. You don't just hire at random. This next one here, the last one I'm going to share. It's a little gross. It gets a little too visual. I apologize. Proverbs 26.11 says, As the dog returns to its vomit, so a, a, so a fool repeats his foolishness. <laughs> you know, it's funny as I'm looking around the room, what I see is I see a lot of you guys uh, opening up your, your fortune and then sharing it with the person next to you. And have you ever been at a restaurant and everyone gets their fortune cookie? How weird would it be if somebody read their fortune and just tucked it away and put it in their pocket and didn't show? That'd be like really suspicious or awkward, don't you think? <laughs> so, but what you may have noticed if you shared your proverb with the person next to you, is all of these have a certain theme to them. They're all Proverbs based around about living a life full of generosity. And the title of today's message is this. Solomon says, live a life of generosity. Now, my goal for us today, it's for all of us to see how fortunate we are and then for us to consider how God can use us to be a blessing to the world around us by being generous with our time, by being generous with our talents, and being generous with our treasures. Now, July 4th, just a couple days away, and I'm sure over the next couple days, many of you will be gathering together with some friends or family, throwing some hot dogs or some burgers on the grill, maybe getting some fireworks and celebrating. Who's getting a bunch of fireworks? Anybody? Anybody? In the first service, we had a guy right down here. He shot his hand up so fast. I'm like, you're coming to my house. We're going to have some fun celebrating our nation's birthday, right? Uh, But as we celebrate Independence Day, you can't help but pause and just think of how truly fortunate and blessed we are as a country, right? I mean, we really are blessed as a nation. As Americans, we're a fortunate people. The opportunities that we have here in America are unparalleled to the rest of the globe. And so let me give you a few, uh, share a few stats here just to illustrate how truly fortunate we are as a people. In the latest Forbes World's Billionaires list in 2022, There's 2,668 billionaires in the world, and 735 of them are Americans. That's 27.5% of the world's billionaires are American. 
The collective net worth of American billionaires is 4.7 trillion, which is 37% of the total net worth of the world's billionaires. And that's eight out of the top 10 billionaires are Americans. Now you might be thinking, Jake, that's great, good for them. Wouldn't it be nice to be part of that 1%? So happy for them. But what about me? What about the average American? Well, in 2021, the US Census Bureau reported that the median US household income was $70,784. So that means the median means half of Americans are above that line and half are below that 70,700 number. So to put a percentage to that, a household income of 71,000 puts your family in the top 4% of richest people in the world. Now, another stat, now that's on a household level. Let's break it down to an individual level. Uh, keep in mind, so here we go. If you make at least 60,000 a year, that puts you, guess what? In the top 1% of worldwide income earners. So if you make 60,000 or, or more a year, you are in that 1%. I wanna show you an image here that really kind of puts it in perspective. Um, so we got 100 people right here. This is you. If you make 60,000 or more a year, this is you. This is the rest of the world, poorer than you. And many of us, if we're not there right now, we're at least in a land where we have that as a realistic opportunity to get to that 60,000 mark and to be in the top 1% of worldwide income earners. And see, as a nation, we're truly fortunate. We live in a country of great opportunity. We live in a country of great wealth. And wealth is defined as this. Wealth is an abundance of valuable possessions or money. An abundance of valuable possessions or money. And so as Christians, the, questions that I, the question I have for you today, if you are a Christ follower, is this. How can we honor God and others with the abundance that he has blessed us with? So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app today, go ahead and make your way to Luke chapter 10. This is the story of the Good Samaritan. If you're a Christ follower or if you've been coming to church for a while, this might be a very familiar parable to you. For those of you who are, are new to church, uh, maybe you're checking out church for the very first time, um, let me just tell you a little bit about what a parable is. A parable is it's simply a story that is used to illustrate a spiritual or moral truth. And when Jesus spoke to the masses, he often spoke using parables. He could have just quoted Old Testament text, and a lot of times he did refer to Old Testament text, but Jesus spoke in parables because he was able to take a spiritual truth and relate it down to something that they could remember and then share that truth with others. So oftentimes you would see parables where Jesus was talking about you know, farming, uh, sheep and shepherds, and that's because that was part of that, that culture in the, the Galilean countryside where he was teaching. And so Jesus would speak in parables, and the parable we're going to share today, you may have heard it or you at least heard the title. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon, he has a whole lot to say about living a life of generosity. And many of the principles that Solomon teaches throughout Proverbs, you're going to be found on display in this parable. The Good Samaritan, it's an excellent example of how to put Solomon's wisdom into practice concerning wealth and generosity. So Luke chapter 10, let's begin in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, 
all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The expert in the law who was testing Jesus, he went on to ask him, so who is my neighbor? In verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. He said, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the young man, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. So you have a Jewish man stripped, beaten, left for dead by the side of the road, and then two men walk by. The first man who approaches happens to be a priest, and rather than helping him, the priest intentionally goes to the other side and just goes about his day, just carries on. The second man approaches, he's the temple assistant, and he does the same thing. He passes by on the other side. Now let me tell you a little bit more about priests and temple assistants. See, both priests and temple assistants were Levites. And that means that they came from a tribe of Israelites that descended from Jacob. And so one of those 12 tribes was Levi. And so the Levites, they were the ones who were set apart to take care of the tabernacle, including temple worship. The priests would have been the most qualified from within this tribe. Now, not all, not all priests were Levites, but, I'm sorry, so according to law, all priests were to be Levites, but not all Levites were priests. So some of those Levites were set apart to serve as temple assistants. So in today's terms, let me break it down for you. It'd be more like the priest would be like the lead pastor of a church, and the temple assistants would be like the church staff. So that's kind of what we're working with here. So when Jesus told this parable, he could have used any two people that he wanted to represent those who walked by. But he chooses to use a priest and a temple worker. He chose to use two men who would have been considered by everyone to be set apart and holy. Two men who had dedicated their life to studying the scriptures and preparing the temple for worship. You see... Here's the thing, you can know the word of God, you can study it, you can meditate it, you can spend time in the house of the Lord. In fact, it's very, it's very possible that the priest and the temple assistant, they were on their way to the temple, they were on their way to church. And maybe they were just running late for church so they didn't have time to stop and respond. But I believe the reason that Jesus uses a priest and a temple assistant is to show us that if we say that we love God, if we study the word of God, if we spend time in the house of the Lord, but we neglect to help those in need, then we're completely missing the point. You see, I believe God is calling us to be a church that consists of doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. God is calling us to be a church that steps up and responds and takes action. God is calling us to be a, a church full of first responders, now, what is a first responder? A first responder is one who is among the first to arrive and provide assistance to those in need. First responders, the reason they can get to the scene first is because they make it a priority. Now, how effective would a first responder be if in an emergency situation, he responds by saying, well, hang on, let me just, I got a few more emails I got to get to, and then I'm on it. 
That's not what you want in a first responder. How effective would a first responder be if they say, hey, there's an emergency happening right now, you know, on North and Main, you need to get there. And he's like, ah, you know, Tuesday. Tuesday would be much better. I got a lot more time on Tuesday. No, that's, that would not be an effective first responder at all. An uh, effective first responder, they're able to be effective because they're willing to drop whatever it is and respond in that moment. So first responders, they're willing to sacrifice and they're willing to give up their time. If you're going to live a life of generosity, then you must learn to be generous with your time. The priest and the temple assistant in this parable, guess what? They actually got there first. They were on the scene, but they didn't respond. They, choose to, they chose to avoid the situation. They physically walked to the other side of the road and walked by, ignoring the mess, ignoring the situation. Because when you decide to respond, guess what? It's going to cost you something. At the very least, it's going to cost you your time. So the good Samaritan, on the other hand, he saw the man who was hurting. And rather than, rather than walking by, rather than avoiding the situation, he responded. He took time to notice the man who'd been harmed. He had pity on him. He had compassion. He had empathy for him. And so often when we think in terms of generosity, we instantly just think of our money. We just think of our wealth, right? But however, in business, they say that what? They say time is money. And the older you get in life, guess what you have? The less time you have. And so you could probably make the argument that time becomes more valuable than money. In Proverbs 11.24, Solomon says this. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. So are you generous with your time? Or are you stingy with your time? Are you always in a hurry? Is your schedule so jam-packed from the moment that you wake up to the moment you lay your head down that it's physically impossible for you to pause and to respond to somebody who's in need, to respond to a crisis? If there was an opportunity to help someone, would you be able to drop everything and give freely of your time? Now, you might be thinking, Jake, I'm willing to give freely of my time. I just, I just don't happen to find myself walking down dirt roads too often and seeing the need. Well, here's where you're wrong, because we all carry a dirt road in our pocket all day, and we spend a lot of time on it, and what do we do? We scroll, and we might even see a need, and what's the easy thing to do rather than responding is we just keep on scrolling. We just keep on scrolling and walk to the other side. Because if you're reading between the lines, there's a lot of people who are crying out for hurt. There's a lot of people who need help. And they'll put it out there because they don't really want to text all their friends and say, hey, we need help. But they'll put it out there hoping someone sees it. It might look like this. It might say, hey, we just closed on our house. We're moving in this Saturday. Could use a few extra hands. Well, you have the option now to scroll by and walk by. Or you can respond and say, you know, I can help with that. I can give you a couple hours this weekend. You keep scrolling and you see the need. Someone says, hey, keep us in your prayers. Our son, our daughter, they're in the ER right now. We don't know what's going on. Please pray. Will you be willing to stop what you're doing? Say a prayer and then reach out to them and say, how can I help? Can I bring you, can I bring you a dinner? Can I bring you lunch? Can we come and take your kids for the day? How can we help? But the easy thing to do is to just walk on by and to just keep scrolling. Now, in the, the medical field, first responders have scanners. The scanners and radios to let them know the moment that someone is in need and is, could use some help. And if you're paying attention, social media can be that scanner for you. 
it can be an easy way to see that there's a need going on. Now, it's so easy to criticize the priest or the temple assistant in this parable, but how often do we see a need and do we fail to respond? Do we just see that need and keep scrolling? Do we see that need and just pass by on the other side? Man, I would love it if we, as a church, I would love it if we as a church that the moment that we hear someone is in need, whether someone's rushed to the hospital, whether there's a food train that's getting set up and, and all we have to do is pick one or two days where we can bring over a hot meal, whether it's a family moving into a new home or you're driving down the freeway or down Beltaire and you see a vehicle on the side of the road, man, if we can just learn to take a few moments, just stop and check in on the situation and say, hey, how can I help? How can we help? I would love it if we can be a church that responds like a first responder, respond like it's a race, like time is running out. You know, one good way to help you kind of think in terms of how you can be a good responder is make it close to home. Because how often are we able to find the time when it's our son, when it's our daughter, when it's our mother, our father, a sibling who's in need? Somehow we're able to find time. We're able to find time when it's close to home. So kind of portray that, project that. When you see the need, man, what if that was my daughter who was stopped there on the side of the road with no one to help? Good chance you're going to pull over and help. And so kind of make it close to home, and that'll help you act as a first responder. Solomon says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Let's give freely with our time. Let's be generous and not stingy. And just like you can be generous with your time, you can also be generous with your talents. Now, I'm not sure how skilled the good Samaritan was when it came to providing medical attention. The parable doesn't mention anything that he was a medical professional, but he was willing to be generous with the skills and the knowledge that he had. The good Samaritan, he knelt beside the man who'd been beaten. He put bandages on his wounds. Now, I seriously doubt that the good Samaritan was carrying a bag of bandages. What it probably meant is he was willing to cut his own clothes, and he made bandages and wrapped them around him. He put olive oil and wine on there to care for the wounds, and then he put them on his own donkey, and he probably walked his donkey, put the other man on it, and took him to the inn so he could get the care he needed. Now, the good Samaritan, he probably could have come up with a list of reasons why he wasn't talented enough or why he wasn't qualified enough to help fill the need, but instead, he simply gave the best that he had to offer. In Proverbs 3.9, Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. It's amazing what you can provide for others when you generously give the best part of everything that your talents can produce. You can honor the Lord when you get out, give out of the wealth of your talents. And when you give generously from the wealth of your talents, Guess what? You don't need to go in and start a, a new business. You don't need to start a not-for-profit organization. Now, if God calls you to do that, awesome. That's great. But you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can partner with our church. You can partner with other, other organizations here in our county to help utilize your gifts and your talents to be a blessing to the world around us. And you know, if you're not currently serving at Epic, I encourage you today on your way out, stop by the connections table and simply ask, hey, how can I get involved? How can I help? And to help you take that next step toward uh, finding ways to be generous with your talents by serving in one of our ministries. You know, God can use your gifts and your talents to help in our children's, to help in our students' areas, to help in our community groups, to help with our connections or our parking team, our prep team, our worship, our production, our media arts. 
And just like the Good Samaritan, guess what? You don't need to be a professional in any one of those areas. You simply need to say, you know, I'm willing to give the best of whatever it is my talents can produce. And trust me, God will use whatever it is you give, and he will multiply it, and it will be a blessing. You know, there are so many people right now who are serving that you don't even see. We have a whole kids and students happening right now with dozens and dozens of volunteers, and they're willing to get here early and spend some time and invest. Everyone who's helping out with worship and the production, there's so many people who are, who are committed to giving out of the wealth of the talents that God has given them. And one thing I've noticed over the years, the more that I've given of my talents, God somehow gives me more talents. I'm not trying to say I'm a talented individual. I'm trying to say I'm a willing individual. God will find ways to, for you to use the gifts. And when you give what you have, he's going to give you more because you're, you're learning how to use what he's given you. He's entrusted with you and you're using it in a way to bless others. So you can use your gifts and talents to serve at Epic. And you can also use your gifts and talents to partner with many of the organizations right here in town. As a church, we partner with Grace Community Food Pantry. We partner with Habitat for Humanity, Alpha Pregnancy Center. And we recently launched relief teams. And these relief teams, they are designed to use your particular set of skills to bless our community. And you can find out more about all these opportunities, whether serving at Epic or serving in our community. Simply go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and you'll see a box that says go. Just click on that box that says go, and you'll find out how you can get connected and start using your talents to bless the world around us. You know, one of the things I find so interesting about this parable is that it's in response to someone asking, teacher, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? There's a similar teaching in Matthew 25 where Jesus talks about those who have neglected helping those in need. In Matthew 25, 31, it says, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And jump down to verse 41, it says, then the king will turn to those on the left and he'll say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. In Luke 10, 25, the expert in the law asked Jesus, he said, teacher, what should I do? to inherit eternal life. And Jesus shares a parable about responding to those in need. And so how are you responding to those in need? Are you giving generously of your time? Are you giving generously of your talents? Proverbs 29, 7, Solomon says, the godly care about the rights of the poor. And the wicked, the wicked don't care at all. 
As Christ followers, we should be generously responding to those in need by giving of our time, by giving of our talents. So number one, be generous with your time. Number two, be generous with your talents. And number three, be generous with your treasures. After the good Samaritan took care of the man who'd been beaten, he carried him to the inn. And then it says in Luke 10, 35, it says the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now the Samaritan, he had done his good deed, right? He, he took the time. He, he was generous with his time. He gave his talents. What medical care he could provide, he did. So he'd been generous in two areas already. Wouldn't that have been enough? But instead, he goes the extra mile. He takes him to an inn, makes sure that he gets care, and he says, I'm going to cover the bill. And when I come back, if those expenses went up, I'll take care of those as well. James 2, 14 to 17 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Proverbs 19, 17, Solomon says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. Proverbs 3, 27 to 28 says this, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. So what treasure are you holding on to that can help your neighbor now? What treasure are you holding on to that can help your community right now? You know, years ago, my wife and I, we were living in Canada, and our pastor, he said something again and again, and it stuck with me. I never forgot it, and I've done my best to try to live by this. But he would say, whatever leaves your hand enters your future. Whatever leaves your hand enters your future. But what do we do? We try to hold on and we try to grasp, right? Everything that, that we're taught, we're taught to accumulate and then to save and invest and then accumulate and save and invest. And we're doing such a good job of preparing for our future and being concerned with our future because we're taking care of but those things, they need to leave your hand. You see, when you let it leave your hand, you're entrusting your future not to yourself and your own skills and ability to accumulate wealth. You're entrusting it to God. I don't know about you. I would much rather have my future entrusted to God than based on my skills and my, my wisdom. Whatever leaves your hand enters your future. Don't put your trust in your time. Don't put your trust in your talents. Don't put your trust in your treasures. Let go and trust it to God. Trust him with your future. 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19, it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, 
always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. You know, one of the things I love so much about Epic Church is that Epic Church is a church that is filled with people who live life generously. We're a church filled with people who are living life generously. We have so many people who are generous with their time, so many people who are generous with their talents, so many people who are generous with their treasures, and that's how we're able to make such an impact in our community. You've heard Pastor Trent say that it is, that it is our desire as a church for our community to know that if we were ever to close our doors, that our community would notice. And that's been something that's, that's been a part of this vision for over 10 years at Epic. I've only been here for about six months, but I, I believe that I can honestly say that if our church closed its doors, our community would notice because we are generously giving and generously pouring into our community. We're not just about being here on Sunday morning and worshiping together, but we are a church that is concerned for those who are in need. We are a church that is continually asking the question of our schools, of our city officials, of those in our community saying, how can we help? What can we do? What can we do to help? How can we partner with you? I love being a part of a church that is thinking about living a life of generosity. And so as we close today, I want you to consider those three areas of your life, your time, your talents, your treasures. How can you be more generous with your time? How can you be more generous with your talents? How can you be more generous with your treasures? You know, I got, I got a challenge for you today. And that's, let's just not be a church that is living a life of generosity, but let's be a church that is overflowing with generous. That's overflowing with generosity. You see, but the only way that you can overflow is by letting God be the source. And so whatever you've been entrusted with, when you give that away, guess what God does? He fills you up. You give that away, guess what he does? He fills you up. And so the more you give away, the more he's gonna fill you up. And I will tell you one thing, you will never be able to outgive God. The more that you give, the more that you bless with others, he's gonna see that you are a good steward with what he's given you. And he's gonna know that that is the place where I can give more because every time I give that person, every time I give that man, that woman, that family something, what do they do? They just give it away. That's where I'm gonna dump my resources. So the more you give, the more God's gonna fill you up so we can overflow as a church into every area of our county. We read from Proverbs 11:24 earlier, but I wanna show you the promise in the next verse, in verse 25. Verse 24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Again, in Proverbs 3, 9, the next verse contains a promise. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. If you truly wanna have good fortune in this life, look at the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs and learn to live a life of generosity. When you live a life of generosity, you're living in a way that honors God. You're living in a way that honors others. And God will not only reward you and bless you in this life, but more importantly, he will reward you 
and bless you in the life to come. So we're gonna go into a time of worship and response. And we're gonna sing about the goodness of God. And just like we started out uh, the message talking about how fortunate we are as a people to be living in the United States and how so many of us are in that 1% or we have the ability to be in that 1%. We have been blessed. God has been so, so good to us. And it's a response for us to now be good to those around us. How can we be generous with our time? How can we be generous with our talents? How can we be generous with our treasures? So I want to invite you to stand and worship together with us. I'll just lead you in our prayer. Say, Father, we thank you so much. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us beyond measure. God, if we, if we were to start today and go home and start writing a list of all the ways that you have blessed us, we would be able to just sit down and write for days and days and days as we recount all the ways that you have blessed our lives. And Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you will show us, that you will teach us how we can be good stewards with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. God, I pray that, that we will be a church that will be overflowing with generosity to our community. We love you, Father. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen.